Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. We have been in a collection of talks centering on the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible. And I love this book. It's the fifth book in the Bible, and I'll give you some context here in a moment. But what I would love for you to do is if you were able to grab one when you walked in, if not, we have them for you at the end, is we've been giving out these little Deuteronomy journals because we believe that there's things that God speaks to you during the message that you can write down and that can build you up and build your life. And so today we're just going to lean in to that. The whole subtitle of this collection of talks has been Choosing the Good Life. Give the person next to you an elbow and let them know, hey, choose the good life. Choose the good life. There we go. Yeah, we do a lot of participation here at Local City, if you didn't know that. I know it's summertime, but we'll get ready. We're getting woken up. It's good. And also, one of the things that you can do is download the YouVersion Bible app as we follow along today. We have our notes on there, but as well as you can follow along with the scriptures that I'll be reading. But here's the context of the book of Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of the Bible, written by a guy named Moses, who I'll talk a lot about, around 1406 B.C., It's the final address to the Israelites, which was God's people, before entering the promised land, which was God's home that he had provided for them. And really, it's an explanation of this idea of covenant faithfulness. Covenant faithfulness. Now, what does that mean? And it means a faithfulness that cannot be broken. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. When God says he is committed to you, he's committed to you. And Moses is taking some time to give a little reminder to all of God's people. I don't know about you, but I need a good reminder sometimes. How many of you ever had that moment where you get that reminder on your phone or through your calendar that you totally forgot that meeting you had, but it pops up and it's like, hey, you got five minutes to lunch with so-and-so, and you're like, oh no, I totally forgot. But you rush over there or you hop on the Zoom call and you act like you were totally prepared, totally ready for it, right? Like there's nothing like a good reminder. And we're never above being reminded of the goodness of God. We're never above being reminded that God is awesome and God can be trusted and the good life, as we've talked about last week, if you want to write this down if you weren't here, the good life is the God-led life. Let me just tell you, the good life is not the me-led life. It's the God-led life because God knows way better than I do. So today, before we pray, here's the title of the message this morning if you want to write it down, Wholehearted Commitment. Wholehearted Commitment. I love this phrase. I love this understanding that this is who God is. He is wholehearted, committed to you today. And we trust him because of that. And we lean on him because of that. Would you pray with me as we open up our hearts to God's word? God, we love you. We're so excited to open up your word. And I pray that you would be with us today. Pray that you would be with all our kids next door and local city kids. And God, we know that you have something special for us. So I pray we would write these things down we would hold to your truths, and once again, we would listen and lean in. We love you, Lord, and God, we trust you today, and just as it said in that video, we know that there is always hope, because hope has a name, and that name is Jesus, we pray that you would hope, we pray that you'd give a little hope to our Tampa Bay Rays to get out of the seven-game losing spread today. In Jesus' name, I need a good amen if you're thankful for that today. Come on, come on, everybody, and do me a favor. Give a nice shout for everybody watching for Local City Church online. Come on, we're so glad you're with us today. There you are. Now we're ready. Here we go. 
So I think today's message is going to be really important because I think it can protect you from a lot of different things and making some mistakes in your life. How many of you guys have made mistakes in your life before? How many of you guys have made uh, mistakes that you wish you hadn't made in your life, right? Okay, we're all there. So we've leveled the playing field. There's no need for shame and guilt in here because we've made mistakes. But I believe when we know who God is and we're wholeheartedly committed to him and trusting him, we can protect ourselves. So as I told you last week, my family just bought a brand new car. We are now a minivan family. Come on, it's a good thing to be a minivan. It's like a house on wheels. Oh yeah, we can give it up. It's good if you're a minivan family out there. It's awesome. I feel like I've finally become or fully become my dad now because he was a minivan guy from like before I was even born. And so it's been great to have this, the automatic sliding doors, the kids just jump in, the big back seat where you can go hide from them for a little bit, and it's just really nice. The air conditioning feels good. Uh, we haven't had a new car in a while, so this is great. And I remember when I went to see the car, I had done the research online, Googled what we wanted, you know, Toyota Sienna, this many miles. So I went to the Toyota dealership here in Tampa Bay and went there, and I knew they had two Siennas on the lot that I wanted to look at. And so I went to look at the first one, which was the one that we ended up buying, and I was like, yeah, this is it. Let's take it on a test drive. Awesome, nice and smooth, feels good, and the guy's rattling off all the things it does. I'm not paying attention because I'm just like making sure that it fits my, it checks my boxes. But we get out of the one that I wanted, the one that I had come to look at, and he says, hey, I got this other one for you over here. Come on, how many know that I got this other one for you when you go buy a car, right? Like, okay, what are you doing, man? You're already sneaking in on me. I got this other one for you. And so I walk over to it, already red flags. Like, looks too new for me. Like, it looks like 2027, all right? I'm looking for a 2020, all right? It's earliest as I can do, all right? And so he says, it's a hybrid. It's going to save your wife on gas mileage. It's already trying to butter me up. And so I get in the car. He's like, come on, just take it for a test drive. Just take it for a spin. Get in, nice leather seats, buttons and screens everywhere. And we start to pull out of the dealership to take it on a test drive. And as I'm looking to, to check, make sure that I don't pull out in front of anyone, I notice the price tag in the window. And I'm like, hey, bro, is that the price? And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, man. I'm not wasting your time, and I'm definitely not wasting my time, so we're going to go ahead and do this, and you turn back into the shop, because that's like double what I told you my budget was, man. So I don't know what you're doing, but I'm a little smarter than this. I got the wisdom of the Lord on this brain, so we're going back, and let's go negotiate, and let's get this deal done, right? Now, what I love about this is I knew in my mind I was committed to a specific thing, and as soon as I saw a red flag or an indicator that wasn't what I was committed to, I immediately said no. Now, how does this help us? Because I believe there's going to be people, there's going to be price tags, there's going to be costs in our life that before we make the mistake, we've actually seen the price. We've seen the tag on it and said, oh, you know what? Well, let's see. Maybe we can figure out this monthly payment. But if you have the wholehearted commitment to what God says and trusting him, you will say, uh-uh, bro, I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting your time. It's a no. Let's get out of this thing and let's go back to what I know is trustworthy. And I think when it comes to our relationship with God, we've got to have these moments where we say, nope, that costs too much. I don't want anything to do with this. I've got to be wholehearted committed to what God has said for me, what God has outlined for me. I think about this Olympic story I was reading about. In the 1968 Olympics, in the marathon race, there was a runner from Tanzania. I have a picture of him right here. I love the little quote that it says, I never thought of stopping. Now, that sounds great when you're running a marathon because as all of us know, Every single one of us in this room can start a marathon. I could start a marathon right now. Now, finishing one, that's a different story. But I could start one, 
And so what happens is he makes it all the way to the Olympics, 1968, and about halfway through as he's moving into position, he trips and falls, dislocates his knee, gets gashes all over his legs. You can see the brace and bandages that he's wearing there. About halfway through, now a, a marathon is many, many miles, <laughs> like 26 miles. So halfway would be, mean he's got 13 miles left. And everyone expects him to just give in because he can barely walk. He's got a like limp run now. But he continues on. And I love this statement that says on the screen, I never thought of even stopping. So minute after minute, mile after mile, hour after hour goes by. The stadium where the marathon is ending is emptying out. Everybody knows who's won the gold, silver, and bronze. But this runner from Tanzania begins to make his way in, not to the sound of cheers, but to just him running to the finish line. Everybody waiting, hours upon hours of this. And I love in his mind the reason he was able to do that is because he says, I never thought of stopping. My encouragement to you and that what we see in the book of Deuteronomy is Moses, the leader of God's people, saying, I want to encourage you to never even think of stopping in your trust of your heavenly Father God, to never even consider it because God is that good. And let me remind you of that. So what we're going to go today is something that I want you to think of and really hold on to today, and it's this phrase right here. I'd love for you to write it down. In order to cling to God, you have to let go of whatever you're holding on to. I don't know what you're holding on to today. Maybe you've fallen. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you feel like you're running this marathon of life and no one's cheering you on, no one's there, and the finish line is so far away. Can I encourage you to let go of that today and begin to cling to the things of God and cling to the person of God. No one is too far away from God for him to be in your life in a moment. You may feel a thousand steps away, but God's right there. He's right here in this place, and he is wholeheartedly committed to you. Now, let's see what Moses says. We've been going through Deuteronomy, so we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It'll be up on the screen for you, but starting in verse 4, here's what it says. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now, I love the, I love the Bible because i got to stop right there. Here's what, God, here's what Moses is saying. Hey, listen up, people of God. That's what Israel meant. So today, local city, we need to listen, lean in. What does it say? The Lord is our God. God is so relational. He wants so much of a relationship with you that he is willing to be called yours. That had not happened in all of history at this time. Like you did not call God yours. They were all powerful at a distance and you had to do whatever it took to please them and honor them and make all these crazy sacrifices to them. And then it says the Lord alone. I love that it says that there is one God. Because at this time, Moses, again, is speaking to the people of Israel, saying, hey, I know that everyone else says there's hundreds of gods out there, and there's all these different ones that you've got to believe in, but can I remind you, there is one God who has saved you. There is one God who's forgiven you and set you free. There is one God today who stands with his arms open wide, ready to have a relationship with you. So what do you do? Here's what verse 5 says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That sounds a little familiar. You see, Deuteronomy, why it's so important is it's one of the main books of the Bible that Jesus quotes when he's walking through this, through this life, and he starts his ministry. I mean, when, when the religious leaders ask him, what's the greatest commandment? He pretty much says, hey, you should know that. It's what Moses said a thousand years ago. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And we know this line, number six, or verse six, and you must 
Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and we are on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What Moses is saying is, hey, you, can't, you, cannot, you cannot forget this. You cannot forget how good God has been to you. I don't know about you, but um, I am a forgetful person. I just got to be real with you. Like, I'm honestly letting you know I'm a forgetful person, okay? And so when I go into my house and I am in charge of watching Teddy, our nine-month-old for the day, my house is covered in Post-it notes everywhere that remind me of the baby care plan, that remind me of what's for breakfast and what's for lunch and which bottle goes at which time. And I can see the moms out there tapping the dads. Yeah, that's, yeah, well, that's, yeah you can't forget that, right? So as I need those reminders, I just need them. And my wife knows that I want to make sure our baby is cared for. So here's all the reminders that you got to follow, Ryan. So Moses is essentially telling Israel, and he's telling us today, we got to put a bunch of post-it notes all over our house, reminding us how good God is, how faithful God is. Can I let you know that the greatest thing we can think about constantly is the goodness of our God and how trustworthy he is and how wholeheartedly committed he is to you and me. I'm thankful for, the God, for a God that has never left me, never forgotten about me, who has been with me every step of the way. And all I want to do is remind myself of that and remind you of that and remind our family of that. It's one of my favorite things to talk to my son, my five-year-old shepherd, about, about God and about who he is and about the love that he has for him so that he can be reminded of it, so that he can hold on to it, so that he can trust in it and lean into it. See, in verse 8, when it says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead, at this time, the, the priesthood would literally wear these things called phylacteries, where they would wear a cube, like a little wooden cube on their head and on their hands. And inside of it was this verse, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Why was it there? For two reasons. Because even 1,500 years ago, when Moses is writing this before Jesus, he knew that what we think about is that's where our life's going to go. The life always, your life always moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So we need to have God's word written on our minds. And then it's on our hand because that's where our actions go. Our thoughts influence our actions. So when we're thinking about how I need to love God and trust him and he's been good to me, it totally saturates my brain and then it totally influences my actions. And I want to remind you today that God is worth it, that he is so committed to you. Now, if I were to say to you the name Frederick Ruchheim, you'd probably like say, I don't know that name at all. But I'm sure you're very familiar with something that he created. Here's a picture of old good old Frederick Ruchheim. What a great name. A lot of good names today. Frederick Ruchheim. Now, he was a, a guy who was a, kind of an entrepreneur, wanted to start a business, was an immigrant, and wanted to start a business that would provide for him and his family. And you're probably familiar with what he invented because you've probably heard the song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Take me out to the ground. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Nice. This is great. And that's what he invented. He invented the Cracker Jack. There it is right there with the little sailor boy, the logo that maybe you've known for a long time. I love Cracker Jacks. You got to have them. It's like you got to have a hot dog and you got to have Cracker Jacks when you go to a baseball game. But what, what's interesting about when he created this product and created the branding and boxing for this product is that this isn't just any old little boy. This, this is set, was set as a reminder, a drawing, 
of his little son, Robert, a little nephew, Robert Rukheim, his brother's child, who loved to dress as a little sailor all the time. But Robert, his nephew, died when he was nine years old. And so Frederick Rukheim said, you know what, I want people to always be reminded of how much I loved my little nephew. That every time they buy this box, they would remember his smile and what he loved to do. Now he, he loved his family. He loved to dress up as a sailor. He loved their dog. And isn't it interesting to think that he wants everyone to be reminded of this one thing? Now, if you were to think about entrepreneurs now, maybe they would want to put their face on the box. I want you to be reminded of what I've done to build this. What I can say to you that I would, would encourage you today would be is that some of the best things we can do is just remind people of the goodness that we've seen in our life, even through difficult times. Because here's what I want you to know today as we begin to unpack the heart of this message is that choosing the good life is all about realizing the good life is the surrendered life. The surrendered life. That's truly where you find victory in Jesus and find victory in God is to just surrender and trust him. Just surrender and know that God is God and I am not. That is constantly what Moses is trying to let the people of Israel know. He continues in chapter 6 saying this in verse 10, that the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you. When he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. I like that. I like that reminder. Shepard, my son, is really big into Legos right now. And I, it's kind of rekindled a love for Legos in me. And honestly, what I love that he does right now is because he's a little young to figure out kind of the big ones that we buy. And so I say, okay, Dad, you build this, and I'll just play with it. And I actually love that because I like building Legos. I like the process. So he says, you build it, and I'll play with it. I'm like, let's go, man. I'm excited for that. So I, get, I open the book. I get all the pieces out. I push Teddy away to make sure he doesn't swallow any of the small ones. And so we're building it, and it's great. And I, and I build this whole thing, and then I hand it over to Shepard. I'm like, hey, Shepard, here it is, that car or that spaceship or that motorcycle that you were excited. Now you can go play with it. And he play, you know what he never thinks of? Oh, man, you know what? Dad, you built this, so I don't really want to play with it. Or you want to, no, he's like, dad built this for me. I'm going to go enjoy it. And that's what Moses is saying to the people. He's like, hey, your dad, your heavenly father has built this incredible place for you. So go in, enjoy it, occupy it. Look how many times Moses reminds the people this. It's with prosperous cities that you did not build. Houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill, I love being full. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be care this is huge local city. This is the message in a nutshell right here. Be careful not to forget the Lord. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. And when you take an oath, you must use only his name. I think one of the best things we can do that Moses is reminding us here is to never forget the Lord to never forget God, to never forget what he's done for us, to never forget where he has brought us from. I encourage you as our church to remember that one of the greatest things you can learn is to know who you were before Jesus and who you are afterwards. I know that before Jesus, I was an angry, insecure teenager, afraid of his own shadow, and would do anything to be accepted by people. 
If any of those relate to you, I want you to know that when I've surrendered my life to Jesus, it's now I find my acceptance in him because he said I was loved and I was his son and he gave his life for me. And I've realized that the courage to get up here and speak and to live my life comes from him, not from me. I have not forgotten God. I have not forgotten what he's done in my life. And I need those daily consistent reminders to say, hey, you didn't get here because of you. You got here because of God. And I love how Moses closes it. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. Now, this is not a fear that we're familiar with when it thinks about I'm afraid of the dark or things like that. It's this fear and reverence of that God is powerful, incredible, almighty. And I get to have a relationship with him. And it says, when you take an oath, you must use only his name. Why does it say that? Because if I use my name, then I'm the one that's beholden to the covenant. And guess what? I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up. I've let people down in my life, from my friends to my family. And what, what Moses is saying is when you sign a covenant, when you step into these things, surrender to it with the name above all names that is unfailing, that will never let you down, and sign it with the Lord's name. Because he is the one that you can swear by. He is the one that you can trust. I want to give you four quick things about the path of surrender, and then we'll close. Number one is the path of surrender begins with a God-led sense of utter helplessness. Now, I know this is like, hey, man, you're really knocking us down. It's okay. I'm going to lift you up at the end. I need this too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But if you want to surrender your life, you've got to realize that I cannot do anything without God, that I am utterly helpless. There was a moment in my life way back when when I was at the beach with my family, and I remember that I almost drowned because I was caught in one of the undertoes out there. And I remember being utterly helpless in those moments trying to fight the waves to get over it, to get out of there. But there was nothing I could do. The more I fought, the more I sunk. And I remember seeing this silhouette of someone running out to me, realizing that I was in danger, scooping me out of the water and bringing me out onto the shore, and me taking in that deep breath and realizing that I was okay. And that silhouette was of my dad, who realized that my, me flailing out in that water, I was utterly helpless. There was no like, come on, chin up, son, you can get out of that. No, I was helpless, and I was going to die, and he ran out and saved me. But how hard would it have been for him if I would have said, Dad, leave me alone. I can figure this out on my own. I can do this. See, our dads know better than us. Our Heavenly Father knows way better than we do, and sometimes you just need to let go and let God bring you out of that helplessness, bring you out of that pit, bring you out of that drowning environment that you're in. And he loves to do it because he's a good dad. He's a good Heavenly Father. But until we realize, man, that I was utterly helpless in my life, we'll never have the appreciation of God that we need. So if you want to surrender, it's realizing, God, I can't do this without you. And here's what I love about God. All he wants is a relationship from you. Isn't that great? God doesn't say like, hey, you got to do this and do that, and then you can earn my love, and then I'll, then I'll care for you, then I'll save you. No, no, I love you right now, and I want to help you. I was reading something about this, and it made me chuckle a little bit, but I have realized, man, it's everywhere now. And I have re I've read, I was reading about this thing that's new in culture that people are experiencing called tipping anxiety. And let me explain what I mean just by this picture right here on the screen. Maybe this happens to you. Like, like this is everywhere now. Like, I mean, I, I go everywhere and this little screen pops up and I'm like, man, all you did was this. Like, like I mean, I, of course I, I'm a generous person, so I'm always going to tap that dollar. But I mean, come on. You know, like maybe you've seen the reels on Instagram and TikTok that have been going around where like you go to Home Depot and you're like, hey, where's this specific tool? And he shows you, and then he flips around with the iPad. Excuse me, sir. 
You know, <laughs> like it's everywhere. And people are actually dealing with anxiety because of it because they're like, I don't know what to hit. I don't want to hit no because then they'll judge me. But is this enough or is that enough? Should I do a custom amount? What do I do? And it's funny that we can transfer that to think that this is what God does, that he's like, okay, here you go. I did this for you. Now where's the tip, right? And that's not what God does. He's like, hey, I'm just happy to do it. It's an honor to do it. It's a privilege. See, my fear for this Number one, it's funny that you can get anxiety from something like that. I'm not judging you if you do, but there's way more things to be stressed about than just like tapping a buck. But also, it's, it's this idea that I can't, I, honestly, I believe this is teaching culture that I don't do anything for you unless you give me something. Like, I, I don't do anything just out of the goodness of my heart. I do it just because that's what my job is. That you've got to give me something or I need a little bit of buy-in from you. Can I tell you today, the reason God is trustworthy, the reason that we can be wholeheartedly committed to him is knowing that he is wholeheartedly committed to us and he wants nothing from us because we can't give him anything anyway. He just says, I want to do it because it's the goodness of my heart to you because I love you and care for you. Come on, that deserves a little thanks to the Lord today because of that. So no more tipping anxiety, all right? Just, we're good to go. Next thing is, is with the path of surrender. The path of surrender is hard. I mean, this one's kind of easy. I just got to tell you that when you follow Jesus, it's difficult. It's hard. I remember at the beginning of the year, I saw this uh, picture of this list that said life is hard, so you have to choose your hard. And it said things like being out of shape and going to the gym, they're hard. Being unhealthy and eating right, both are hard. Choose one. Living without a budget or living within your means, they're both hard. Pick one. And I would tell you that, you know, living life on your own is hard. Trusting God is difficult and hard. But pick which one you'd rather do. And I'm sorry, I would rather trust and be committed to a God who loves me, who has proven that, who is faithful, and who can do way more than I even ask or think and is bigger than any problem that may come into my life than trying to figure it out on my own. Sometimes it's saying, you know what, God, you're God, and I'm not. And is it hard? Yes, of course. But anything worth doing in life is difficult. Anything worth doing that makes a difference or that is completely surrendered is hard and difficult. And it takes those moments of saying, God, I trust you. I love this quote from a missionary by the name of James Hudson Taylor, who is considered one of the most influential people in Christianity, even like up with the Apostle Paul when it comes to church planting all over the world and getting the good news of the gospel out all over the world. He says this, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Like, it's either God or it's not. I mean, that's kind of the thing that he is saying. Like, this only works in the all-in. We go to my mom's house a lot because she has a pool there to swim with the kids. And I don't know, I just have to tell you, like, I'm, not, I'm kind of like an ease-in to the water guy, right? I'm like, okay. All right, okay, I'm getting my feet used to the temperature. Then I walk down the steps. And that's okay, that's what I do. But Shepard doesn't let me be that way. He's like, jump in, Dad! I'm like, Shepard is cold. I don't want that shock to happen, right? He's like, just jump in. I'm like, okay, fine. And then I jump in, and the process goes so much quicker. Can I tell you today that when it comes to following Jesus and being committed to him and trusting him and stepping into cities and blessings that you did not build, that you did not create, you just got to jump off and let it happen. Because you could spend forever on the steps, or you could just jump in and realize that Jesus, you are Lord of all in my life. Because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And Moses unpacks this in Deuteronomy 6, verse 18 and 19. 
Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so all will go well with you. Then you will enter and occupy the good land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors. You will drive out all the enemies living in the land, just as the Lord said you would. What I love about Moses is he's going back over and over and over again and telling the, the people of God, hey, God said this, so all you got to do is do it. All you got to do is walk into it. All you got to do is step into the victory that God's already given you. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. You're going to have to drive out some enemies. We're going to have to drive out some things out of our life to allow the goodness and victory of God to come in. We're going to have to stop stepping down the steps into the pool. We just got to jump in. Because again, the path of surrender leads to that realizing we are helpless without God. It's hard, the path of surrender. But the third thing is, the path of surrender leads to a single ambition. I'm worried about one thing in my life, and that's God, and everything else falls into place. See, God, it does not go well when God is on an equal playing field with everything else, because only God can influence everything else. Only God can have a say in everything else. So I've been teaching Shepherd this, we have these kind of five things that I tell him. We were going to a birthday party yesterday, and I said, hey, what do we do at birthday parties? And he rattles off the things, and we say, hey, we listen well, we laugh a lot, we are very kind, listen well, we laugh a lot, we are very kind, and we're a good friend. And then I told him the thumb is we love Jesus. And he'll tell you today if you see him. And I told him the thumb is I love Jesus because that's the only one that can help me do all the other four. And, I can, and you've got your things. I, I got, Ryan, you don't understand. I've got issues with my finances, my family, my relationships, my job. I mean, you can keep going like this, but I would tell you, if you would say, you know what, but right here, this is where I trust God. This is what I've given to God, and God is Lord in my life. He is my single ambition, and he has a say, and he controls every single other thing. I promise you, it would lead to a lot of freedom in your life. Because what Moses is, honestly, if you forget everything else I've said, and we're closing here, and the, the band can begin to come up, but is these two things that he's saying to the people of Israel. That it's realizing that there is a God who loves you, there is a love of God that you can experience and know, and that encourages you to have a love for God. That it's just, it's just a love of God that you can experience and know, and that leads you to have a love for him. It's that simple. That's what Moses said, hey, how are you gonna do this? Because you're gonna go through some difficult, hard things. It's realizing there's a God who loves you, that you can know and experience and grow in that love, and your response is just to have a love for him, of the sacrifices he's made for you, of the provision and miracles that he's given you. And he is encouraging them to know that when it comes to this surrendered life, that the path of surrender brings contentment in wherever you are and with whatever you have. I want you to be content and excited for your life, and that only happens when you're surrendered to the things of the Lord. Because in order to cling to God, you have to let go of whatever you're holding on to. And when I surrender my life, I'm content with whoever I am and whatever I have. Because I, I, we can continue to walk through life like this, and Moses is so much challenging the people of God to live like this. Because not only do we hold on to our stuff, our control, our things, I believe what also can take place in our hands is we can hold on to our shame and our guilt and the mistakes that we've made. Because the people, that, the people before, this is the second generation of God's people, the first generation was messed up. <laughs> and they made a lot of mistakes. And this next generation could carry on that identity. And Moses is saying, do not do that. There's this very simple, silly little picture that I've seen over and over again. But I would encourage you with it today to just trust God. Know that he's wholeheartedly committed to you. 
and you could be committed to him if you just trust him. But I love it, God. Look at this picture. Jesus is saying, but just trust me. Let me throw up on the screen. There it is. Just trust me. I love, I love my little teddy bear. Well, just trust me. I got something better for you. Just trust me. Oh, no, no, just let me have it. Let me have it. And, God, and Jesus doesn't do this. God doesn't do this for control. He just knows that there's going to be a lot of moments in your life that you're just going to need to just trust him. And you got to let go of that little teddy bear, that little comfort blanket of whatever it may be. Some of us, are, it's our success. It's our business. Some of it's our family. Some of it's our relationships. Our, our appearance. Some of it's our shame and guilt and mistakes that we're holding on to. We're like, but I love holding on to this, God, because it's easier. What I love about this is not only is it a big, beautiful teddy bear that Jesus is holding, but it's going to be a little bit harder to carry that big thing. I mean, I've, I've won some big old stuffed animals at the fair before. They're hard to carry. But everyone's like, man, you won that? Yeah. And I think that what's great about it is that, you know, so I didn't win this. Jesus won it for me. And I just get to carry it, carry it now. And it's pretty powerful, pretty amazing. And I'll close with this story here before we sing and end. In Luke chapter 5, before we throw it up on the screen, in Luke chapter 5, before we throw it up on the screen, in Luke chapter 5, there's this, there's this story of Jesus and the disciples. And he's calling out to them because he's going to call them out of their comfort zone, and they're out fishing. I'm not a big fisherman because I'm not patient enough, but I say, hey, I'll go hang out on the boat. So I'd have been out on the boat, the disciples just hanging out, not knowing what to do. But I would have been doing a good job because the disciples weren't catching anything, and they were professional fishermen, not catching anything. And Jesus says, hey, how's it going out there? That's why I love Jesus. Because you ever been like, especially if you're married, I'm sure this has happened, you know, like you're trying to work on something and it's not going well and someone's like, hey, how's it going? Just look how it's going, all right, bro? Like, it's not going well. You can, Jesus, you can see the nets aren't full. And Jesus says, why don't you try your, throw your nets on the other side? And they're like, uh, I don't know about that. Jesus says, just do it. See what happens. And so they throw, they let their nets down. They let them down into the water. And Luke chapter 5 tells us when they pull it out of the water, they can't even get the net in the boat because of how much fish are in it. This miracle happened. They, had to let, let, they just had to trust Jesus and let their nets down. But I love how that story ends. Is Then it says that once they got back to shore, they laid their nets down. They laid everything down and simply followed Jesus. So now you can throw it up there. So what are you your life right now? Do you need to let down? Like what, what nets, what things you're holding on to? And then once you realize that, whoa, I can trust God. Well, he really does know what he's talking about. I just want to follow you. I'll lay everything down. I want to follow you. I want more of what you're doing and more of what you're saying and more of the life that you have for me. I want to be wholeheartedly committed to you. I love, I can sense the love that you have for me and I want to know more about it. I've got a couple action steps for you today. The first thing is, man, I, I love summertime and I love things we can do special and we got some spe special thing at the end of the month that we've never done before but I believe for some of us, it's time. It's time to fully surrender. It's time to fully realize that's where the good life is found. And so at the end of the month, we've got our, a beach baptism happening we've never done before. But we're going to go out on a Sunday evening on July 30th out to the beach and baptize some people. I would say, this is your time. If you're feeling like God's calling you to do it, just text water to 97,000 right now and stop wasting time and just do it. Let's go. Because I believe when you come out of that water, we'll be cheering for you, but God will be as well because of not celebrating how great you are.
but celebrating how great Jesus is and how surrendered you are. I encourage you to do that. Pray about it. We'll announce it every single Sunday leading up to the 30th. But here's my, pra- my practical for you this week. Is I want you to create during your quiet time, it's what I want you to write in your journal, is a daily surrender list, what we call your first 15. At Local City, we do our first 15. Five minutes of prayer, five minutes of God's word, five minutes of worship. And here's what I want you to really think about daily today. What is that one thing I need to surrender to God? What is that one thing I need to, to surrender to him? And why am I surrendering it to him? Deuteronomy 7, 8 through 9. Because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out of a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of the Pharaoh in Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of what? Of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Local city, what's that one thing that you need let go and exchange it for that big teddy bear that Jesus has for you? What's that one thing that you need to let go and let God? What is that one thing that you just need to stop being committed to and be committed to God from here on out so that he can bring you into that full posture of surrender and that new life and that new place that he has for you? There's nothing better than being reminded how good God is and there is nothing better than remembering what he's done for us and there is nothing better than realizing The best is yet to come to those who are committed and trust God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.